All right, we're going we're gonna to do our best to finish this up tonight. Book of Obadiah. Then we're going to move into the book of Micah. And I think maybe the, yeah, then we'll see where we go from there. But anyway, tonight want to try to get through Obadiah. We see it's a judgment on Edom, and that's because of their pride. And we have already seen God's condemnation in the first nine verses, and then we saw a list of Edom's crimes that came through verses 10 through 14. And now verses 15 and 16, we see God's judgment on all the enemies. And um, I, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I um, part of what we were looking at, Nelson and I was talking about on the way to Denver yesterday, is uh, forgiveness. And it's one of those big issues that we have in our lives is learning forgiveness and uh, trying to, to get a, a definition of forgiveness. You ever thought of that? I, I asked a preacher yesterday, been in the ministry, he's just a few years older than me. I think he said he was 58, so about the same amount of time in the ministry. And I said, so how would you define forgiveness? And he said, I will have to think on that because I don't think I can give you a good definition by just giving a quick definition of it. And But I think that uh, my own definition, biblical definition of forgiveness for me is just turning things over to God. Whatever, whatever the circumstance, whatever whoever the person or whatever the hurt is, whatever it is, we just need to take it. And that's where I think God shows us casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. And come unto me all ye that are heavy and that are that are heavy laden, burdened and heavy laden. And um, I think that forgiveness then comes when, when you're willing to just give it all to God. And you give it to God because, and well, I tell you, powerful messages last night. Um, we have to give that to God because we cannot handle vengeance. Because God states, vengeance is mine. And it's only his. We, we wouldn't want to get in his way in other areas that we know is God's. So why in the world do we want to get in the way of that too? And so I think, so if you're ever thinking about forgiveness, if you ask me, that would be my definition of forgiveness. And it's taken a lot of time to get to that. And I know it's just real simple, but it's been months in coming. But uh, it's just being able to turn things over to God and leave it there. And it keeps you from becoming bitter. It keeps you from being worried about things that you have no control over. And you just give it to God. Because, and I say all of that because he introduces what we're going to look at in verses 15 and 16. And actually through the rest of this chapter is God will judge. And his vengeance will be carried out on all that are evil. And all that, that are unjust, all that are unrighteous, everyone that, that does that which is, that is untrue. And, and 
that are wicked, that are evil, and and God is going to judge, and God will do so. And here we're we're dealing with with a country that uh, a tribe here that that could have stood up and and tried to stop something and they didn't. And and here is a prophet prophesying of this and 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 calling on judgment upon Edom in 840 BC. And you see that God doesn't carry that punishment out until 70 AD. By 70 AD, then the punishment has been thoroughly taken care of. Almost 900 years later, God does something. And so actually, it is over 900 years later, and before he truly carries it out. And so here we need to, we just need to understand that we run on the temporal and God runs on the eternal. And so we just need to learn to give things to God that we have no control over and that isn't our business anyway. And so, and so here we have the, the judgment on all of God's enemies for the day of the Lord. This is the, this is the first time that, that you find this, or the earliest time that you would find this term mentioned, the day of the Lord. And we know that you can, and we're going to look at some of those verses in a moment, but the day of the Lord is talking about the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that is a day of vengeance. That is a day when, when the first time Jesus came, he came as the Lamb of God. The second time that he comes, he's going to come as the Lion of Judah. And he's going to come to destroy and to judge. And, and so here he says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. And, and so here we see the judgment on, on all of God's enemies. And, and we see this carried out, first of all, in the, the first application of this on Edom because they didn't stand up for Judah. And he, and he goes on and he shows us this. And, and, and it shows us the fourth point is God's amazing forgiveness and restoration. Now, we'll get back to the day of the Lord at the very end. But here we see where he goes on. He says, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Oh, you, you need to understand that, Edom, you need to understand in all your pride and, and all of this cheering on as, as you have watched Judah be uh, 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 ransacked, and, and you watch Jerusalem, the walls being knocked down, and, and all of these people taken captive, and then you entering into the gate of the God's people, and in their calamity, and, and you looked upon their affliction, and all of these things were going on, and, and you need to know that there's going to come a day of great deliverance by God, and that God is going to set Judah back up, and there's going to be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess all of her possessions, and, and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. Oh, Edom, you're going to be destroyed, and destroyed in the fire, and they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain, the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and 
Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Zephyrad, and shall possess the cities of the south, and saviors, and and saviors in this uh, 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 term are those that are heroic men, and, and liberators shall come up out on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The kingdom, that great millennial kingdom that will be set up for a thousand years, and, and here we see and and understand that Jesus is the one that's going to be sitting upon that throne. And so here, all the way back in 840 B.C., we have God telling them and showing them and, and, and encouraging Judah and reminding us also that, hey, vengeance is God, or God and vengeance is the Lord's, and, and it's not ours, and judgment will come upon everyone and his righteous judgments against all this evil in this world that that's going on around us and how we we look at how unfair these these things are and and how crazy it is and and we need to know and understand that their reward is coming he goes further to describe this and some of these others were contemporaries with each other but go back to Isaiah if you would to Isaiah 13 and and here we're going to see a more vivid description of, of this judgment in Isaiah 13. In the first 13 verses, let's read this. And it says, the, and here uh, a couple of, of uh, dual applications again. And talking about Babylon, the, the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain and, and exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The, jo- the noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames." Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil. Praise the Lord. There will come a day when all judgment and righteous judgment will come, and And he'll punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. Lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Turn back here, you go back to Obadiah and then, then, then go backwards to Amos and 
the book right before Obadiah, or or actually go back the the book before that to Joel. So go back to Joel first of all, and look at Joel chapter one and verses fourteen and fifteen. Here he tells us he says, "Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God." And cry unto the Lord, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Look on over at chapter 2, and look at the first 13 verses here, and it says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand." a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains a great people and a strong. There hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and of and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Behold, before their face the people shall be much pain. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? Then look at these two verses. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Oh, and, and you, you know, there, there are people that think that maybe there's no case for revival anymore and maybe we've gone too far. And, and look, these verses, these last two verses, 12 and 13, look, when the wrath of God comes and, and when the, the day of the Lord comes, then it's too late. It's much too late. But you read verses 12 and 13 and it tells us that there is still time, and there is a need for each one of us to, to come unto him with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and, and with mourning, and that, and that weeping and that mourning is, is on our own sin and, and thinking about who we are and how unworthy we are and how we come to him and we fast and, and we're praying with all of our heart and we, and we tear our hearts because of all the wickedness. I mean, it, it is, it's disgusting and it's vile. But to think that, that every time, and look, when we pay tax money, whenever, whenever we vote for somebody that, that continues to hold up for that, do you understand that, that we also, we are a part of this country and so we are guilty by association. 
And oh, how we need to be begging God for, for mercy and, and we ought to be praying and, and, and the sin of our country and, and, our, and our own sin ought to be just sickening us and, and how we need to understand that, that and know that God is slow to anger and, and He's full of great grace and, 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 and He's gracious and He's merciful and, and all of those. And we need to be praising Him for those things and, and asking Him for more of that. And we really, truly need to get serious about doing it. Revival doesn't start down the road with somebody else. Revival starts with us here today. Revival starts with us getting serious about our commitment to God and and walking with Him and and doing the things that He wants us to do. Not worried about everything else around us, but right now, and, and, and stop asking for God's wrath and judgment to come. Look, that day is going to come, and it's going to be an awful day. Oh, how we need to see that right now we need to be repenting and, and, and turning our hearts back and, and looking to God. And, and then he goes on there in chapter 2 of Joel and verse 28, he says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days. Will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Oh, and then he even goes on in chapter 3 and the last three verses of that. In verse 19, Egypt shall be a desolation and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation for I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. Oh, God, God is serious about preserving his country and his chosen nation. And, and he goes on further, and, and, and I know we're, we're, about, we're, we're a little bit over, but you go now to Amos chapter 5, and I want to finish reading these and start with verse 1. And here it says, Hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen, and she shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave a hundred, and that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into <coughs> shadow of, of death into the morning and maketh the dark uh, day dark with night that calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, 
so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, you take, and you take from him burdens of wheat. You have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine of them. And, and I mean, he just goes on, and he goes on, and dealing with the judgment and, and, the, and the wickedness of them, and there's going to come days when God's judgment is going to be upon each one of them. And he goes on further, and I find this to be a great consolation to us over in the New Testament. Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, and, and he writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and here he tells us in verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We're not of the light, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Oh, how we ought to be that right now, had we not. We ought to, to be watching and, and being sober-minded and in understanding about what this life is about and understanding as, as this world gets more evil and more evil that, that we're coming closer and closer to the day when God is going to say that that is enough and, and this time is going to come upon them and it's going to come upon everyone and it's going to be a surprise for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And get this, look at verse 9. For God hath not appointed unto us wrath, to wrath, the wrath, a very specific wrath that God is talking about. That wrath of the tribulation where we will truly see the wrath of God. He hasn't appointed that to us as believers. Thank God that we don't have to see that. Thank God that we're not going to have to live through that. Thank God that whenever we trusted Jesus as our Savior, that we are a part of that raptured group that will be in heaven. And, and oh, we're going to have our own issues while we're there. But one of those issues, we're not going to see the very wrath of God who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, com comfort yourselves together and edify one another as also ye do. And then one more passage in Revelation chapter 4. Look at Revelation chapter 4. And, and here we see in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Revelation, he's writing to the seven churches. And, and then it shows us that from from the end of chapter 3, we never hear nor do we see the church being mentioned again. Why would that be? Because they're gone. The church is gone. We're out of here. But here it tells us in verse 10, it says, The four and twenty elders shall uh, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
You can go all the way back when Solomon uh, built the temple, and it was there that he set up the service of all the priests. And, and there were priests that there were 24 priests that would serve at one time, and they would rotate around until all of the priests of that line would go through and they would be able to serve and do their priestly duties. And, and, and it covered all of them. Well, it tells us in the New Testament that that we have what's called the priesthood of the believer. And because of Jesus and what Jesus has done, that we can go boldly to the throne of God ourselves through the great high priest who is Jesus himself. And so now we know that we are the priest. And whenever you read in the book of Revelation about the 24 elders, that is representing those 24 priests and then representing in the New Testament the priesthood of the believer. And so it represents those 24 elders represent the entire body of believers. And all of those believers are going to be represented. And, and while we are in eternity, there's going to be a time when all of us are going to be there and, and functioning as that priest and, and worshiping and praising our God. And so when he talks about the 24 elders, they fall down before him. This is right after the rapture has taken place. And so here it is, we come in and, and we come into that, the, into that wonderful heavens and, and the glory of God. And, and it tells us that the first thing that we're going to do is that we are going to fall down before him that sat on the throne. And, and we're going to worship him that liveth forever and ever. And, and it tells us that we're going to tell him that he's worthy to receive glory and honor and power and, 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 and it's here that it tells us that in all of his worthiness and as we come here, what are we going to do? But we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. At his feet. One of the things that, one of the points that that man brought up in that, and, and Brother Hardy brought up in that, in the first message was the Bema Seat of Christ, that, that time of judgment for all of us as believers. Not, not our sin. Our sin was judged at Calvary. And our sins are forgiven. But oh, there will be a day when our works will be judged. And it tells us that there will be many of those that will burn up as wood, hay, and stubble. But there will be those that come through the fire. And it's those that we are going to take and as we walk into heaven, and as we've gone through that fire of the Bema Seat of Christ, and, and we come into the very presence of our Savior, we give Him. We give Him all of those things that truly matter for eternity. Where's our life at today? Do we want to waste our time and being angry and bitter about all of the wickedness and evil and, and, and all of these characters in, in our world and how vicious they are? And, and do we want to waste our time? Look, I, I know people that spend hours upon hours upon hours watching the stinking news every day and, and, and mad at the country and mad at all of our politicians and, and their whole mind is just covered in, in all of the politics that's going on right now and, 
And God is showing us that, look, there is something far more important and and we need to understand that whoever is sitting on that throne of of the presidency or the uh, senate or the house or or some king or or some potentate in some other country, that, that it doesn't last. But the one thing that lasts is our king, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the God of glory, and, and we need to spend our times doing that which is worthy of an all-eternal all God, and let's make sure that that is what we're doing. Because the day of judgment will come. And the day of the Lord will be a vicious time. And so what do we do? Let's quit worrying about the things that don't matter. Oh, we need to do our part. We restrain evil. That's our responsibility. We do it to the best of our ability, but we need to understand that, hey, we give it to God. We give it to God. We do our part. The best way that we can do that, and I think Mr. Knox said it best, they need Christ. They need Christ. And so let's live for him. Let's take... And when we get to the Bema Seat of Christ, we have more crowns that we can give to our Savior. The one that says, Thou art worthy. He's worthy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for Obadiah. Thank you that we know that there is judgment. And and Lord, I, I know your holiness and your righteousness will truly be revealed in imperfection. But until then, help us, Lord, to have grace and mercy in our lives. and Help us not to be considering things that would get in the way of your plan. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to give it to you. And Father, I pray that you would give us a revival in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we pray for revival in our country, but Maybe before we pray for that, maybe we should pray that, Lord, you revive us. Give us that fire. Let it not burn out, but let it be stoked and become greater and greater in our hearts. And Father, I pray that you take us home tonight safely and give us a productive week, the rest of it, and use us, Lord, in your work. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.